to Chicas and Chisme. We are your hosts. I'm Carla. And I'm Angelica. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Welcome back. Welcome. Hey, Carla. Hi, Angelica. What are we doing today, Carla? We're recording a podcast. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> well, today is July 5th, and uh, yesterday was... Fourth of July. July. (laughs) Oh my God. How was your Fourth of July? It was good. I think. I mean, I spent it with you. (laughs) What do you think? (laughs) I had a great time. You know, we were talking about it, um, my daughter and I. And I was like, did you have a good time? She was like, yeah, I had a good time, mom. I said, because otherwise it would have just been you and I, you know. Yeah. But she's like, mom, either way, it would have been fine because we could have gone anywhere, right? Because I don't really like celebrating like. Fourth of July. Like out and about? No, yeah. I, yeah I've no. been there, done that. Like the beach and the blah, 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 blah. Right. I, you so. know what? I was seeing people post stuff on Instagram and I was the, what I was thinking is like, how long did it take them to get there? And what time did they have to wake up? And how long is it going to take them to get home? Well, <laughs> That's was, what I was, was thinking. Like I'm getting like, there at 4 a.m. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, like yeah, no, I am so that. glad I stayed home. I know. But I know. we had fun anyway. We barbecued and everything. We had but, a great time. Yeah. But today we have a special guest. Yes, another guest, guys. Yeah, and hope you guys are liking us bringing on guests. Um, we really enjoy our guest stories. And today we have Chris. Nice to meet you. Yes. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Welcome, Chris. Welcome. We're excited nice to have to you. We met before once already at the self-defense seminar. Yes. 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 Tell everybody how we know Chris. So we know Chris because we did a self-defense um, women's seminar um, with another jiu-jitsu gym, mm-hmm. and he was there to assist and help us, and he was great. I mean, I know I did a lot of things wrong, so he would come around and tell us, hey, fix this or fix that. Do it again. Do it again. <laughs> Just again. throw yourself on the floor. <laughs> now I know again. how to throw myself on the floor. I could do that. I could do that. I don't know if I could self-defense myself, but I could definitely. <laughs> you, you could throw yourself on the floor. <laughs> and not hit my head. In a safe fashion. Yes, yeah. but Chris is actually the owner of National City Jiu-Jitsu, National City Jiu-Jitsu Club, correct? Club. How long yes. have you had that, Chris? We've been open for two years now. Okay. We're, we're part of the Gallegos Jiu-Jitsu Association. So the gym, Gallegos HQ, that we were at, that's that's the main flagship. And oh, so we okay. And so we have one in Chula Vista on 3rd Avenue and then mine in National City as well. Oh, nice. Oh, okay. nice. So how does that... I, I'm probably not asking the right questions, but now I'm nosy as hell. So how, So it's your gym or is it... So, so are you co-owner of the so gym? It's like a conglomerate. So I own the National City Gym. Uh-huh. We have another owner that owns the Chula Vista Gym. We're both black belts under Elias, mm-hmm. who you guys met. He, I think he was on your podcast also. Yes. yes. So he's the leader of the association, and he owns the East Lake Gym. So we, oh. we're partnered oh. with the same way companies in a conglomerate would partner up. They pool resources. I've never heard of that word. Conglomerate? Conglomerate. Yeah. Conglomerate. I've yeah. never heard of that word. It's, it's like companies word. that work together. Like airlines partner together. You know, different, you know, so. So wow. they're different owners, yeah. but they're, they kind of collaborate. Yes. Okay. Correct. That's, That's cool. Very cool. So our members train at each other's gyms and oh. we have a lot of black belts between all of us. So, right. So, you know, a, a black belt that's been a black belt for a long time develops sort of like a family tree of other black belts. And then those guys end up opening gyms <laughs> and have their own students. So yeah. you, how did you start? Your your jujitsu like right. career I don't know what it what right to call so it. <laughs> so I got into jujitsu after my second trip to Afghanistan uh, I did a lot of work in the military I did contracting for the Department of Defense so I did the the Predator UAV stuff the drones that like they use to assassinate That's... terrorists I did that in Afghanistan for a while and when I got what? back I kind of needed something to fill that for me you know like because you liked it so much no it's not that I liked that work <laughs> it was uh, busy you just I feel like. We need purpose. We all need purpose. Mm-hmm. You need to be part of a team, something bigger than yourself. So, you know, I worked in commercial aviation for a while when I got out of the military, but that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's about just about making money. And it didn't feel the same for me. So martial arts, you know, it's a very, it's a very American thing we do where you ask somebody, who are you? And they tell you whatever they do for a living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it didn't feel that way for me when I got out of the military. And I went from being a service member to just working. Yeah. And I, I wanted more purpose. You than wanted that. more. So if you asked me, who are you? I would have said, I'm a martial artist. So no. it was, it seemed like a path for me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I worked really hard to get into the management side of like aviation. And then once mm-hmm. I got there and I sat in a cubicle, it just like You're sucked, like, nope, not sucked for the me. joy out of my soul. Yeah. I, I honestly I couldn't sit in a cubicle. I always, well, I would if I had to, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, we took over family. Yeah. Yeah. But sitting in a cubicle, and just, it, I can't. Yeah. I found like a battery it. in the matrix. 
Yeah, no, I understand that. Right. And it's like, it's not something, I mean, it's something you're good at, you could do it, but you just right. feel right. like you're numb, right? Right, exactly. Like there's something missing, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so you purpose. found your, pa- your passion, which, and, right. and that's your purpose, right? Because it gives you life, right? Right? Yes, correct. So I had been doing that for a while and sort of did well in that, did well in some other things, and my company merged with another really big company, and they don't need two of everybody when they do that, so they start offering severance, severance packages to people. Okay. And when they got around to, like, the hand-raising, I was like, wait a minute, you guys are going to give me how much money to stop coming to work? So, <laughs> and go like, follow my passion? Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. So I had seen in a movie once, like, if you if you had a million dollars, what would you do? And if you say, I should fix up old cars, that's what you should do. You should be a mechanic. So yeah. I always thought, if I didn't have to worry about money anymore, I would teach jujitsu to little kids. So... I decided That's this is my time. So you know? cool. And I, some other things also, like I guess part of the, the story as to why I yes, chose yes. martial arts and why I'm we so interested with the nonprofit. in hearing that. I came from, I had a troubled youth, as a lot of people did, that, mm-hmm. that f- find themselves on this path. Uh, I was born in Atlanta. I grew up in Birmingham. I think right now is the third most dangerous city in America. So I grew up around a lot, a lot of poverty. Go, so go ahead. I'm sorry. I have a question. Yeah. And and during this interview, we in, we interrupt each other a lot. Right. So I'm yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Um, but that's because we have a lot of questions, and our listeners probably I, have the same question. Right. You and then want me to expand on it? Yeah. And they always go. I'm so glad why, you guys asked. <laughs> why is it that it's is it just what is it that is very dangerous? What is it? The poverty? Is it just people are afraid? The the cops are afraid of the people? Like all of the above? It's it's both. I grew up in a community, which is interesting because now like we, with the nonprofit, we work with law enforcement a lot now doing defensive tactics and stuff. But I grew up in a community where the people and the law enforcement don't trust each other, obviously. Like um, a lot of murder, poverty, circumstance. I think Mm -hmm. we're all made up of the same things. Right. We're all capable of the same things. It's circumstance that brings it out of people, I think sometimes. Yeah. So I grew up as poverty, Murder, a lot of armed robbery. Nobody uh, wants to be close to that. Like they're right. just like let that happen. A lot, a lot of broken homes, and we do not want to be around that. Right. right. Yeah. So, like I said, my dad wasn't around a lot when I was growing up. I had a stepdad that was really abusive, and it starts to break you down. And when you think less of yourself, you start to have less standards for yourself. And I got in a lot of trouble early. I was already on probation. I started carrying a gun when I was fourteen. Fourteen. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's I, my daughter's I was 13, age. The first I time somebody pointed a gun. I know. In I can't even hole. imagine my son. Well, you were what? I'm sorry. I was thirteen. The first time somebody pointed a gun in my eyeball. I still oh, remember it my touching goodness. my eyeball. Oh my goodness. That is traumatic. Yeah. So I started carrying a gun when I was fourteen. I was on Jeez. probation by the time I was fifteen. Where do you get a gun from at, at fourteen? That age, yeah. Same place everybody gets it. The homie. <laughs> I'm gonna get killed, so get me a gun. Yeah. You know, I really feel like you're talking about a movie. I don't I feel know. Like I'm like, reality. am I watching a movie? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a lot of people's movie. So yeah. by 16, I think I was 16 and a half when I violated my probation. And uh, I was in trouble already. Uh, no, I was 17 and a half because they gave me the that's right. I I actually had been was had been homeless for like a year. I was couch surfing. My mom had had enough. She threw me out of the house. I was on my own. And you were a teenager? Yeah, I was 16 wow. and a half. But, were you, yeah. but you were, were you a troublemaker or were you just trying to survive? Because there's two <sighs> different both. things. I guess it depends on who you are. I, to me, I was just trying to survive. You know, okay. it was, it was, it's a tough place to, to struggle. You know, like I always say, once I came out here, like I would rather struggle here than, right. than there. there. You know? Right, Um, But yeah, a little bit of both, you know, okay. it, it's... It just becomes part of your life. Who you are, yeah. right. And like I said, your whatever your belief is of yourself kind of starts to come out in how you behave. So if yeah. you don't think well of yourself at that age, you know, as a young man, you're, gonna, you're not going to hold yourself. You're not going to believe that right. you can have a good life. Like yeah. you accept very little from yourself. Yeah. And you yeah. Because yeah. that's who you are and right. it's fine, right? right? You have to validate your, your, the way you view yourself. Yeah, exactly. With your actions. So... 17 and a half. 17 and a half, violated my probation, situation with a stolen car and a minor in possession of a handgun. Yeah, so. Wow. Yeah, I had to go. I had to go. Like, I had the option of joining the military, so I did it, and lo and behold, I excelled at it immediately. I took off. I got one of the best rates in the military uh, and just got promoted, did really well in it. What was it about the military that made you kind of, was it because... Was it purpose? Was it, it, it discipline? It was, it was discipline. It was uh, the whole the whole structure of it. Like a, a lot of us, and this is what martial arts does for people. Also, it gives you discipline, structure. It teaches you about honor and integrity, and really what you're capable of. 
what you're mm-hmm. really capable of. So, yeah. Um, and I think part of it was just me being out on my own. Like I left by myself and it was all on me. And I didn't have anything else sort of anchoring me down or yeah. like mentally holding me back. Yeah. So once it was all on my shoulders, I took off immediately. Uh, did great at it. Uh, I got, they taught me avionics. So I did avionics. That's how I got into the Predator UAV contracting stuff. Did well at that. So who comes to you and tells you you want to join the military? The recruiters uh, or people that are, they know that it's troubled teens? Well, the judge will give you that option. Oh. So then you, go, <laughs> then you go to the recruiter and they'll but, tell you. Well, okay. Yeah. So for so me. You they, had options. Yes. Is it because of your age? They're like, okay, we yeah, can probably help you out here. And I had scored really high on the test. So they oh. gave me a little bit of, uh, I think I had from, I turned 18 in July, they gave me till October to leave. So I had oh. from July to October. So if you didn't go, what was the other option? Jail. I was going to go to juvie oh, as a 17 year old. And then once, because the sentence was going to be so long for what I, the things I had done and keep in mind, it's a probation violation. So you're getting more time. Yeah. When you turn 18, you transfer to County. If you got over a year, you're going to prison. So you kind of didn't have a choice. Did not have a choice. No. But, <laughs> but it know, was the best choice anyway. Great choice. My father's <laughs> side of the family had a Good tradition, military tradition. So they were all happy. You know? Yeah. My dad had started coming around a little bit more when I was pr- like 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was happy for that. You know, he wanted that for me. I think everybody did. My mom was, you know, finally c- kind of starting to come around a little bit and be mm-hmm. proud of me. Yeah, oh, that's so good. that felt good. Yeah, yeah, like I said, I did well at it immediately, did the contracting thing. When I got back from my second trip to Afghanistan, I didn't want to do it anymore. That was, I was done with the... Military. The military work. So how yeah. many years did you do in the military? To all total, it was four years active duty, then I did six years of contracting for different... Oh, wow. That's uh, a long call time. call them alphabet agencies, yeah. yeah. So, And did that make you feel like you made the right choice? Yeah, yeah. It really taught me like w- what I was capable of. Yeah. So came back. I had my son. I didn't want to do that anymore and settled in so to you the... you went back to Birmingham? No. Okay. No, no, no. Oh, no, not after the Afghanistan. I came yeah. back to San Diego. Because you were stationed here or something? Uh, like, what brought you to San Diego yeah, in the first brought, place? Uh, right, you. so yeah. the military did. The military okay. did. Back, that was back when I, when I first um, uh, joined the Navy. So mm-hmm. the contracting came after that. That was after the four years of active duty. Mm-hmm. So I did a lot of... I went to the Persian Gulf twice on active duty be- way before Afghanistan. I've done five combat operations all total. Wow. Yeah. Um, so the military brought me to San Diego when mm-hmm. I was 19, and I've been out here ever since. Oh, really? Yeah, but minus the two trips to Afghanistan. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. Somalia. So you're like, I'm here to stay. Yes. I mean, who I wants to leave here. San Diego, right? Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. You've yeah, seen what's out there. Like, I have friends that grew up here. They're like, I can't wait to get out. I was like, go see what's out there. <laughs> you're yeah. going to come back. <laughs> it's a nice town, yeah. 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 So you had your son at what age? How old is your son? Uh, my son's 13 now. Oh, okay. Yeah, so after my second trip to Afghanistan, I was... 29 by that time mm-hmm. so I had him then and that's the same age I started jujitsu so wow the segue into jujitsu is I needed something to fill that the brotherhood of the gym the family environment uh you know the support system all right. this is what you you're missing when you get out of the military that kind of yeah. leaves, leaves our veterans without purpose in a lot of cases uh yeah. they need that support system around them and and the the martial arts does that yeah. So then you came, you came, when you were done with the military, you were 29, you said? Mm-hmm. 29. Yeah. And then you were like, okay, did you have a job or you were just like, okay, I'm going to look for a job. And then you yeah. just wanted to do martial arts like on this, like a hobby. I did it. I did it. I started doing jujitsu and went to work. Like I said, I went to work in commercial aviation. So it's oh, okay. commercial airliners and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So it's uh, still aviation work. It's, it's avionics work and structural mechanics, but it's not. It's, it's all, you know, we're, we're building planes for airlines, which is great and all, but I didn't feel the same about it that I did, you know. You're like, there's, I, I there's, need something else. Ernest Hemingway has a quote that if you've ever hunted armed men, you care for nothing else after that. And it, building airplanes just to make money didn't feel the same as there's no you greater. You action yeah. in your life. When I'm the consequences kidding. of a mistake is loss of human life, there's no greater um, stakes than that. Wow. Yeah. So things don't don't feel the same as far as like, what am I doing? Yeah. Kind of right. So, you needed more. Right. And uh, I needed more purpose. It didn't have to be high stakes, but like the martial arts, like I feel like I'm in a position now where I can have a greater impact. Yeah. Like right. We can help. You're people. making a big difference. Yes. And there's purpose in it. Like the at-risk youth, we work with the at-risk youth, yeah. free training and counseling for at-risk youth. I do free training and counseling for veterans with PTSD. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to take the parts of me that 
that I want to give of myself to the community and yeah. help the community. And and you know way, how to help, right? Like yeah. if you told me, yeah. hey, you got to go help these people that have been troubled. I'm like, I don't know. You want to pray? I don't know. Honest, you want to do, right? Honestly, I, I'm I a wouldn't big, be able to. I'm a big believer in that your past shapes you for your passion and your purpose. And so a lot of times you go through these things. So in, it's in preparation for what your purpose is, right? So then now you're doing your purpose and you... You can bring your heart, meaning, experience, everything to connect. Because it's like, I can't do what you do. That's what I mean. Because, yeah. you know, I can't right. do what you do. But I, I kind of did the same thing with the counseling. I was right. like, let me bring my past and now let me help these children because I can relate to them. That's powerful. Right? And so being able to use your past and everything that you've been through and going, okay, I'm, I'm seeking that. It's like, oh, it, was not, it wasn't for nothing. It was right. for so much more. It's cathartic, right? Yeah. It feels like I went through this for a reason. Yes. Right. Yes. And, right. It's, and it's a good feeling. Right. Right? Yeah. So to your point, the different programs that were involved, even the law enforcement thing, like I said, I grew up in a community where, like, that's not, we didn't talk to the police. When my, so my, go back to another reason why I do this. My mm. little brother was murdered in 2014. I'm sorry. Uh, he got into it with somebody like a back and forth thing with another driver on the freeway, a road rage yeah. incident. My little wow. brother was the nicest person I knew, but like, uh, for whatever <clears throat> reason, just Birmingham's just one of those cities and they got him on the West side of town. The guy crashed into him, not just ran him right into oncoming traffic. His car was ripped in half. He got run over by three more cars. <sighs> and, wow. uh, I, I, I very much a product of my environment as far as things like that goes. <laughs> but this is the first time, you know, I, I, and this is what I want the community to understand: why we have, where we trying to get law enforcement and the and the people that live in the community to train together. Yeah. And each, and each other. When my little brother got killed, people wouldn't even tell the police what the guy looked like. I still don't know who killed my brother to this day, and they could see because they what, don't trust the police. The, right. Yeah. Nobody like they would tell the story of what happened because the family needs to know. Like, yeah. They could see the facial expressions well enough to know that they were yes. both angry and arguing, but nobody knows the color of the car because people don't snitch where I'm from. Wow. They don't want to tell what the guy, so I still don't know who killed my brother, which is probably for the best, but yeah. nothing's going to bring my brother back, you know? Yeah. And, no, I'm uh, sorry but, to hear that. Yeah, I'm so sorry. But what that these kinds of crimes do to a family, like my mother was a nurse, a registered nurse. Mm -hmm. uh, she kind of get prescriptions for whatever she wanted so she started taking ambient to sleep at night she took it worse than i did and i was devastated my little brother was but i like i raised that kid because my mom worked all the time yeah and he was the best person i knew and how much younger was nothing. he than you i was 12 when he was born okay so and like my little brother i like i said rough rough upbringing my little brother i felt like was the first time i felt unconditional love yeah so when somebody took that from me i was yeah. it, it was crushed hard. me that's what finally brought me to my knees in life it wasn't all the stuff you need to change at, 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 you were like that's it that's I, it I, I looked at the world through a different lens that's for sure yeah and, yeah. and then um my mother for me was was a the example that I had of like selflessness, like giving of yourself for mm -hmm. others. Yeah. And she had started self-medicating after my brother died, Ambien to sleep at night, pain pills. Yeah. And uh, four years, almost to the day after my brother was murdered, my mom fell asleep behind the wheel and crashed and died. Wow. And I had to fly home and I'm in the same room speaking at my mother's funeral and I just, it felt like I had been trapped in a nightmare that I couldn't wake up from. So. Wow. I'm like absolutely speechless. Me too. So much of this is to, to make my mom proud of me. My mom worked at a children's hospital for 33 years. Yeah. Uh, working in uh, hematology and oncology, like the little the children that have cancer. Yeah. Um, and just gave everything she had to other people. So yeah. when I got out of aviation and I kind of had semi-retired from that, I knew whatever I did, I couldn't just be about making money. I had to be no. of service. Yeah. So I do a lot of what I do to, to make my mother proud and to honor I'm sure you're making them. your mom proud. I'm sure you sure. are too. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Hold on. I, I know. Let me like, catch up emotionally. Like, I. I don't know. I'm so sorry to hear about your losses and your brother and your mom. Um, but and, it, and I, it's so unfortunate because it really is a product of the environment and right. it's a product of just the circumstances. Because mm -hmm. had that not happened to your brother, that had probably had not would not have happened to your For mom. Sure. And it all stems from the environment. Right. Right? Right. But what do you do now? Right? Right. What do you do now? Right. You can't change it. We must make something positive. Yes. Yeah. And you are. You're doing that. Thank so you. that's good. Thank you for doing that. And yeah. thank you for your service too. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. You know, it's uh, 
for me, it's 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 been good for me also. You know, as much as as humans, as much as we need love and we need to be cared for, we need somebody to love and people to care for. Yes. And the gym and the nonprofit gives me an opportunity to care for people. Yeah. And that's been a big part of And I'm sure when somebody comes to you and says, thank you so much for what you've done for me, you've saved my life, or whatever the case may be, I'm sure that's just yeah. like When we fulfilling. have parents come in and they bring their kid and they're like, my kid is being bullied at school. This is what happened to him yesterday. And I tell them, guess what? I'm going to train your kid for free. It, the, the look on their face and, and when the... Some of the progress can be slow sometimes when you're teaching. And then when you see them take a big step forward, the feeling, the rewarding feeling they yeah. get, it makes it all worth it. Oh, I'm sure. I can only yeah. imagine. And then just like that, um, like I was saying, that fulfilling for it's you. your right. heart. Yeah. yeah. Right. We need it. That's, yes. And that's what I, when I talk about how I needed purpose, how I felt lost, like sitting in the cubicle farm. And then I have that now, so... We're able to do positive things for the community and, and so for is ourselves. that your is that what you do full time? Yep. You're you mm-hmm. you teach full time. Is your son yep. in jujitsu too? Yes. Just yes. Ask. So oh, yeah. our family business, he's been training with me since he was five. Wow. So when I have families come in, I try to give them like a package deal. I want families to train together. I think yeah. that's beautiful. You yeah. Know? And we do a family self defense class on Saturday mornings where like even if the parents aren't gym members, they can come in and train with their kid or vice right. versa. Parents can bring their kid in. So, you know, for me, I would have liked that. Like, I could take my mother because I want, I want to know my mom's safe, you know. as Right. What, so a lot of the young men, are the, they're the man of the house in situations like that. So you want to be able to do a self-defense class with your mom and you both feel safe, you know. So, yeah, that's so cool. Mm, I, I should have brought my son. I know, I know. <laughs> I want to do that. Awesome. If you guys want to come in on Saturday, we do them on Saturdays. Oh, okay. I work Saturdays, but maybe when I don't work, I can come in. Yeah, yeah. Um, listen, I know that when we started... Um, when you came in today, we're talking about a story that I yes. <laughs> kind of lightened the, 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 the mood, the mood, but you, I was so super interested in this story. Right. The Tell Louvre us. story. So yes. the Louvre story, you would be surprised how often stuff like this happens to me. I'm kind of a magnet for st- stories like this. So, so there I was. <laughs> so I started all my stories. Okay. When did this happen? This was, would have been six years ago. Okay. So I'm in Paris for a wedding, uh, me and my wedding date. And we're going to the Louvre. We're kind of jet lagged. So it's like lunchtime. We got into the Louvre fairly quickly because it had been sprinkling and people didn't want to wait in line. So what's a Louvre? The Louvre is the, mu- <laughs> is the museum in Paris. It's the big museum. It has the Mona Lisa, the Statue of Athena. It's huge. It's, it, you couldn't see all of it in a day. That's wow. where the, they filmed the Da Vinci Code. Oh, okay, yeah, I know. The glass pyramid thing in Paris. We've seen the movie. Yeah. So Isn't there a champagne called the Louvre? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, so the big glass pyramid thing. Yes. Yeah, I popped out of a storm drain right next to that big glass pyramid thing, right in front of all the tourists. You need to Wait, do a how? movie. Like, so, yes. He's going to get right. into that. So there it was. So I'm we confused. went to go see the Mona Lisa. I take my wedding date. We go around and see all the stuff that you have to see. But but we have lunch. There's a restaurant in the Louvre. And this is back when I still drank. I had a, they had a beer of the day that's this big, huge. It was a Belgian beer. It was like the size of a fishbowl. So I drank that, and I'm jet lagged, so I'm kind of tipsy too. You drank the whole thing? Yes, ma'am. I drank the whole thing. It was delicious. <laughs> you I didn't like share it with your date? She had her own oh, beverage. She had a big <laughs> one. She's <laughs> <not> a beer, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna share my, yeah, no, no. Uh, so I don't was think she was in the Belgian beer. Yeah, so I'm a little bit, we're looking for the exit, right? And I see this neon green sign, and it's an arrow and like a stick figure. And that's probably the exit sign. Yeah. Yeah. The stick figure looked like it was running, and I'm like, well, that's weird, but whatever, that's probably the exit. So I open the door. It's a big, heavy door that's like part of the wall. So the entrance to the Louvre is where the big glass pyramid thing is, but the exits aren't there. You can't go out there. The exits are in the different wings. That's confusing. Yeah, (laughs) that's what I said. So I go through this big, heavy door that's like built into the wall, and it closes behind us, and immediately I'm like, this is not the exit. There was no like security anywhere? No, no, this is what's weird is I know that has to be, so it was like, it turned out it was an evacuation tunnel. I don't know if in case there's a, (laughs) yeah, in case there's a terrorist attack or something like that. Now you know what to do. So the running, the running man wasn't a, a, like an indication that you you have to run. run. (laughs) You have to run. This is the way to go. So yeah, me, I'm like, oh, this must be the exit. Exit. You got to run through the exit. He's all right. Immediately I knew it was wrong because the lube is very, the decor is very nice. Mm -hmm. And this is a cinder block tunnel going that's creepy. I would yeah. not go in there. <laughs> when you were a little... But the door locked oh, behind true. us. <gasps> no! Yes. So, oh, so you weren't alone. So your date no, was, was with, with you. I was with my wedding okay. date. So I'm trying to play it cool and like not panic because I don't want her to panic. <laughs> was the wedding that day? No. 
this is after the wedding. Oh, okay. Yes, okay, okay. the wedding was, so the wedding, we got there the first night. That's a crazy story the first night. This, so the, <laughs> the Louvre story is not even the weirdest thing that happened to me in Paris. That's that trip. We could right? go back to that because I want to hear that too. To so, <laughs> the door closes behind me, us, so we can't get back into the museum. I can hear the people, but they can't hear us. I'm beating on the door. So I'm like, all right, we got to go down. We're already underground. You're going further underground. So the, the hallway keeps forking to the left and right, and it'll come to a door that you need a key card for. Mm-hmm. And, but the spaces are unpopulated. For whatever reason, there's nobody down there. I don't know if they could see us on the camera, but I had no I tried every hallway like at least twice because we're lost in this maze of tunnels. This <gasps> makes me feel like a scary yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I'm, I'm in like, a scary I'm movie right die. now. I'm going to die. Nobody's going <laughs> to come and save us. It's hard to not. Like, I'm trying not to freak. Because freaking out is not going to help. Like, no. I got to stay calm, solve the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Was there, like, phone service down there? <sighs> Or did you not have your phone? No, I don't know. Who am I going to call? I'm in France. Like That's true. Right? Uh, I don't uh, even know. Yeah. So <laughs> I finally start finding where the stairs start going up again. So I'm like, okay, we're going back up. That's good. And I'm underneath a storm drain looking up at tourists walking around above me. So it looks like a storm drain from the outside, but really it's a, it's a secret exit. Oh, so, my God. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. Oh, it's for an emergency. Yeah. So there's uh. an electrical box on the wall with this lever on it. And I'm like. I played a lot of Zelda. I know how this is going to work. I'm going to pull this. The door is going to pop up and I can escape the dungeon or whatever. Right? Yeah. So I pull the lever. The door starts opening like a, like a hatch and all the alarms in the museum start going off. Yes. Dude, really I was loud. like alarms. Yes, there alarms. has to be. So there's these little small alarms that go off if you lean too close to a painting and they're like little local. Yeah. This is the big one that you can hear yeah. over the oh. whole courtyard. That, yeah. So everybody freezes and they're looking at us coming up out of the ground. <laughs> And I'm like, yo, we got to go. So I'm kind of doing the half jog, run, yeah. walk thing. And like I turned around and took a picture of the door open because I was like, nobody's going to believe this. Wow. As on my way back. Yeah. So. And nobody came like chasing after no you No security. I'm pretty sure I could have stole a painting. Nobody even like ran up. Well, They're probably trying to figure out where the alarm is coming from. I don't know. But you yeah. think it would like notify them on like a screen or something like yeah. I probably got my picture. I'm pretty sure I can't go back to the loop. So. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. Probably not. You're like, it's him. It's me like doing this. <laughs> yeah. You're like <laughs> matching the pose. picture. Yeah. I'm like, mm, how, that long, ain't that's how long were you guys under there? Down for? there. It felt like a long time. It probably might have been 10 minutes, but it felt like a long time. Yeah. yeah. What what helped you? Like, what were you telling yourself in your mind to not panic? Um, just, I've been in situations like that before. I mean, that's kind of what they train you for in basic yeah. training. The whole mm-hmm. idea is that you learn how to make good decisions mm-hmm. under pressure. If you, yeah. if you stay calm, you can use your brain. Yeah. Freaking out doesn't help. You freak out after. Same thing like in combat, like when the, mm-hmm. uh, mortar rounds start landing, like they always shoot stuff over the fence when you're on a base in Afghanistan and like, the air siren goes off, but it's after the attack. So it's supposed to be your warning, but it was <laughs> after the attack. Okay. And so like. In the moment, you stay calm, and then afterwards, it's already over. So it's like, what's the point of freaking out now? Yeah. So, we're already yeah. out of there. So, so you I have were a little bit of practice. Yeah. for this moment. Yeah, I have <laughs> so a little bit of practice. I picked up on something. Of course I did. Um, and you said, this is when I used to drink. Yeah. So you no longer drink. I don't drink anymore, right. Why? Um, I like to know why people yeah. stop drinking. Yeah, you know, I did it for a long time. Part of it is I'm getting older, and, and when you drink... It has, you know, you're inebriated for a little bit and then there's a little recovery time now, especially now that I'm older, I get the day long hangover yeah. and I just, I can't afford to be off duty like that. You know what I mean? I need to be present for people. I use my body for work now. You know, I can't, I have to show up and be hundred so percent all the time so and I can't, I can't afford to be off duty for a day anymore. I do know? feel bad the next day. I don't feel uh, the same as I used to when I was in no, my 20s. No, it's at awful. All. Yeah. So how long have you been not drinking? It's only been a couple months now. I oh, quit okay. a couple okay. months ago, yeah. And so, you feel great, I bet, I huh? feel great, yeah. I, I sleep better. I don't snore anymore. Um, I know. Oh, the the podcast that we were listening to, the John and Alex, remember? Oh, yeah. I don't know if you... Okay, so I listened to a podcast and the girl, the husband's complaining about her because they uh, they're heavy drinkers. They don't have kids or anything right. like that. And then they stop. They like slow down and he's like... I cannot believe how much you stopped snoring. Right. When you stop drinking. And she go, he goes, well, you still, you still snore a little bit, but not like when As you much. used to. Yeah. Wow. The first thing I noticed, I started getting better rest. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. And it's funny because it starts happening like you're 42. Uh-huh. I'm 44. You're 40. Mm-hmm. I was talking to my clients today and same thing. Her and her husband are re- were really, really, really heavy drinkers. Right. And she was like, I was like, are you still drinking? Are you still not drinking? She goes, no. No, she goes. I I have maybe a glass of wine here, maybe. 
She goes, but not like they used to drink every single right, day. Right. And yeah. she says it's like so much, like she feels so much better. Yeah. And that's so true. Yeah. It's I didn't true. realize, you know, because, uh, well, I'm <laughs> Irish for one thing and like it just be, I love beer. Beer is my thing. So, yeah, of course, I, you know, when you drink a little bit every day for a long time or just beers regularly, you don't realize that you kind of feel like a pickled egg until you stop. Yeah. You know, and then. So you just, but you weren't like, you didn't have a problem with it. No, it just. You were just like, like sick I of said, it. I got to a point where I'm, I wasn't able to, to fully be present all the time. Yeah. Recovery time and then just be inebriated, you know, and. You lose a lot of time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You do. So one day you're like, I'm done. Yeah. That's usually the best way to do it. Just, you're not just overthinking it. You're just kind of like, done, like done. Yeah, done. Like loose interest. Yeah. So right? one more question before we go back, because I'm interested. Well, there's another in like, story that you need to tell I us know. from oh, Paris. From Paris, yes. yes. So do you think you'll be like, you'll stop drinking for the rest of your life? Probably. Yeah, probably. I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Like you're, um, you're so done. the other Paris story, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, also alcohol related, so yeah, maybe I won't have as many good stories anymore. But <laughs> so I don't. If you guys, well, I'll, we'll get into the story first. So the, so I'm there, I'm the best man at the wedding. So the first night and the last night, that's the deal with the groom is that we'll hang out, me and you, the first night and the last night, the middle you're gonna spend with your with your wife, right? Yeah. So we got the first night and we're we're kind of in the the hotel district and we're looking for. We want a more local spot. We're going to the bars, and they're sort of touristy, and we're kind of drunk, and we're trying to find something more local. We're actually, we're not kind of drunk. We're real drunk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're walking around, and I see this group of people, and it's they look like they're going to, like, a club. It's like party dress, like sequins. I'm like, we need to follow them. So <laughs> yeah, they where go they down going? This, this is Europe. So the Europe has these little, <clears throat> like, like they're not city blocks where everything's like symmetrical. It'll be like a little tiny alley all of a sudden. All of a sudden. Yeah. So, so they so go down weird. this we little need to go. It's like a Harry Potter alley. They go down this little alley and they go down some stairs and it's kind of like a speakeasy. There's no sign. So they're going down some stairs into this club. So we follow them. It's a private club. So we're not really allowed in, but the owner's there, this guy named Andre. He's super cool. We make friends with Andre. Uh, we <laughs> hang out in the inside of the club. I have a video of it. It's like a hip hop video. There's like dancers everywhere. It's like, uh, I don't know. It was crazy in there. It was crazy, crazy club, private club, just people partying there all night. I don't know if they were, what was going on. They were shooting a video in there or something. And it's just me and the groom in the middle of this private party. <laughs> uh, we have a table. Yeah. There's like somebody dancing on our table. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. So we have a great night. We party with Andre and his friends <clears throat> all night. And so we do the wedding the next day. Like we watched the sun come up from the balcony oh that God. night. Yeah, so like, we did the wedding. At least the next he showed day. up, right, yeah. to yes. the wedding. And I am sweating in this gray suit, just in summer in the Paris. We're in a this big park, and uh, the park is full of peacocks. And and I don't know if you guys ever heard a peacock make noise, but it they sound like they sound dinosaurs, like, they're like a velociraptor. Yes, it was peacock <laughs> mating season. It sounded like <gasps> Jurassic Park in there. Oh it was crazy. no! Yeah. <laughs> um, so. The last night, we do the wedding, everybody survives. The last night, the Louvre thing happens, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, this happened before this. Yeah. So the, the first night, we party with Andre. That's the first night oh, there. Okay. The Louvre happens the next day. Gotcha. Right? Yeah. I'm in and out of the Louvre, right? Mm -hmm. I've already put that behind me. Like I said, these sorts of things tend to happen to me. <laughs> so You attract them. Yes. Yeah, so, but last night there, we're gonna, I'm going to go out with the groom again. I tell him the Louvre story. He just kind of shakes his head like, Chris. Anyway, what the hell? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Really, bro? Like, anyway. So um, we're like, we want to find the club, like the same club again, Andre's club. Mm -hmm. We can't find it. We're walking around. That, well, yeah, like, you were drunk. It's a little tiny alley, too. <laughs> they all look the same? The same. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I'm like, have you ever seen that movie Beer Fest where uh, they, they find this like Oktoberfest? No, but tent? I'm going to go look for it because yeah, so, now I'm interested. So in the movie Beer Fest, they find this secret drinking contest in the middle of Oktoberfest. Okay. And they want to find it again the next year. And the only way they can find it is to get really drunk again. And then they Just remember their path there. <laughs> so I tell so my buddy. So you try to do it yes, again? Oh yes, my we, God. We did the beer fest. I'm like, dude, we got to get drunk and then we'll be able to find the alley. We'll yeah. remember. Our and it worked. <gasps> What? It worked. We found the alley. How? We found, uh, I, I don't, I don't, don't know. get it. I don't, I don't know. I have it to worked. get drunk to know. Just yes. <laughs> What's crazy? Yes. So he actually still had the guy's phone. I don't know how, but he had the guy's, the doorman's cell phone. Like we became best friends with everybody. So yeah. we had, had the doorman's cell phone number in his phone still. We found the alley. We find the club. Andre, the whole thing, we partied with them all, again the last night there. But the it, only it way we were like, able to find the alley, because the, so, the door's not marked. But wait, if he, 
if you this whole time you had his number, why not just call him and not get drunk? We didn't know. Oh, it didn't come back to you. you We were talking to the doorman again when we got there. And my my buddy, the groom, is getting his phone number. And And it's already in there. And he already had it. Yeah, because they were so drunk. Yeah, they were drunk the night. Yeah. So we ended up hanging out with Andre. That's never happened to you? (laughs) He was so cool. The whole whole group of guys were awesome. They like kind of took us in because they all knew each other. It was like a private, private event. I still have a picture of me and him in the mirror there. Um, <laughs> so this was like a destination wedding or yes. does he live in Paris? No, no, no. It was a destination wedding. Oh, okay. Yeah, That's yeah. so cool. That's a yeah, very no, long destination. Yeah. It was fun. Three, three days. It was three days. Uh, no, there was, there was a couple days in the middle where we just sightsees. We're sightseeing. Oh, so okay. first day on Ray, then the next day I went, I took my wedding date to the Louvre to mm-hmm. Mona Lisa, all that stuff. That's when that happened. But you never saw any of this, I bet. Pardon? Did you see the Mona Lisa and stuff? Yes. Okay, so we you got, you got in to do all. To leave. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. I was just trying to find the exit. They're <laughs> <laughs> just trying to get out. Yeah. Listen, a bit of advice: if you see a running man, don't in, in the don't green, go in there. In the green yes. little like neon light, that doesn't mean that's the exit. If it looks suspect. Yeah, it probably, probably is. Yeah, yeah. That's We're, scary. So I would have panicked. <laughs> do you live in? You live right now in San Diego. What yeah. part of San Diego National do you live? City, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So you live, and yeah. your son goes to school in National City uh, and all that. He goes. To, his mother lives in Spring Valley, so he goes okay. to school in Spring Valley, and we commute. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. okay cool. That's still close by. Yeah. Cool. And yeah, he yeah. likes doing the jujitsu. He does. Yeah, he does. it's his thing. You know, he's really like just a smaller version of me. So it's pretty cool. Like what. <laughs> He's kind of sort of biologically into the same stuff that I'm into, mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu, the mm-hmm. outdoor stuff. So it's, it's like having a best friend that has no choice but to mm-hmm. hang out with you. But then That's you guys so both get to do what you love. That's Together. so yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What he grade is he in? It. He just, he's going into eighth grade this year. Middle so. school. Yep, yep. Love middle school. Yep. <laughs> has he ever gotten into a fight where he has to use his skills? Once, when he was in elementary school still. Before, I think he might have been in third grade. I can't oh. try to take a sandwich. Uh, oh, yeah. He's off. Not a good. Yeah, he's not, not playing. Yeah. <laughs> did he I get a sandwich? He kept the sandwich. He retained the <laughs> sandwich. He did. Yeah. That's awesome. And nobody got hurt too bad, so that's always a plus. I love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Oh my god, your story just takes a lot. Yeah. I'm sure you have more stories. I'm pretty sure, especially growing stories. up where you grew up. Mm-hmm. You know, I I would not even begin to like relate. May, I, I couldn't. May I ask about like your dad still alive? Yeah. But he is. We actually have a, a much closer relationship now. My Where dad, is he? My dad lives in Alabama again. So my oh. dad was a contractor. Mm-hmm. So he worked on military aircraft as a civilian. Oh. And so he all he did was try. My dad oh, yeah, did, you said that your dad dad's settle. family had the history of the military. Yes. Right. So, so he didn't settle into one place for, for like 35 years. All he did was travel and work. So he would go on like every six months they would give him yeah. leave and I would see him for like a weekend every six months. Mm. So he had no idea what was going on at home. And I, when you're Why a little kid. Why did he kid, leave? Him and my mom split up when I was two and oh. he, he kept doing the contracting thing. He just, I don't know, he chose not to, you know. When I had my son, that's when I quit contracting. Probably as a result of that. You yeah. Know I, mean? I never wanted my to be kid away. to feel like that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. I used to yeah. sit in front of my little screen door. I had a little, used to have a little blue Care Bear suitcase. Aww, and I would so wait hard. all day for my dad to come pick me up uh, sometimes. Yeah, that no. Is, that is, that, but then, that but you're saying dad. that now you have a good relationship with your yeah, dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like something clicked in him when I was like 15, 16. And he oh, just started good. coming around. Mm-hmm. And like, ever since then, here's the thing. Like, my dad wasn't around a lot when I was growing up. But anytime I've ever gone to my dad and needed help, he's never like said no. Like my mom, bless her heart, uh, just got, fit. and I, I reminded my dad and my mom a lot. I think it's part of the reason why we didn't have the best relationship. But yeah, that happened. I, I was in a lot of trouble. Like I was going to jail a lot. My mom just when I would call my mom, collect from jail, my mom would just hang up. Clip. Yeah, nope. She well, was it was done. a lot for her, and she's like, you know what? Yeah. He needs natural consequences. Right. Right. right you know, because right. yeah. I'm I'm not getting through to him. Right. right. And, and as a couldn't. parent, now you can kind of see. Right. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. So, your stepdad, what ended up happening to him? Um. He did get charged with some stuff. So uh, another another reason why I have such a soft spot for the for the kids that risky youth. You know, I mm-hmm. went through a lot of physical abuse at the hands of my stepdad, and he was a big big guy. And mm-hmm. I've always been I was like a skinny little kid. So yeah, I never the way I remember my first day at work. I came home sixteen. All the kids in the neighborhood, like I said, it's a tough neighborhood. We all bag groceries at the same grocery store, and I came home that day. And walked through the screen door to come into the kitchen, and my mom was sitting at the kitchen table crying, and my stepdad was sitting there pointing a gun at her head. 
and she was like, he, he caught her up in some stuff and she was uh, like, just shoot me. And I had never fought back against my stepdad before that. And I didn't make a decision to then. My legs just started moving by themselves. Wow. And I got in between my mom and my stepdad and started fighting him for the gun. Wow. And I was able to wrestle the gun away from him. I could still see the gun dropped and I could still see the pattern on the kitchen floor right now. The gun spinning in a circle on the floor. Wow. And I was able to get the gun and run from him before before that. He could do anything. Yeah. Yeah. And then... So, so that was the first time he tried to kill my mom. It happened two more times. He tried to. I had to save my mom, save my mom's life. And then a month and a half after that, that's when she fought, she threw me out of the house, and uh, I was homeless for like a year before I joined the military. So the did military you, saved my life, literally. Wow. Did your mom ever leave him? She did right after that. Okay. She, so she left him right after that, and then I was with her for a month and a half, and um, she had met somebody new, and mm. he like as a sixty where I come from, like when you're sixteen, you're a grown man, and like her new dude didn't want me around, so like he kind of had her like throw me out of the house kind of thing. So I was on my own for a while. Yeah, for a while. Yeah, and like I said, my father figure at the time was mm-hmm. the the homie Buck that lived down the street. Like he was neighbor. like one generation older than us, and as crazy as it sounds, like Buck killed a lot of people. Uh, Buck was a murderer. Buck was a drug dealer. Buck was a pimp. Like an wow. active. Like, that was what he did for a living. And as crazy as it is to say, he also was a good dude. Like, Buck would have did anything for the people mm-hmm. in his circle. Yeah, like Well, a I mean, that spot. was his job, right? Yeah. And in his mind... He could separate is, it. Yeah. No, I'm saying in his mind, that was his job, and this right. is what I have to do right. to, to survive, survive. here in this and, environment. And make yeah. a living, so this is right. what I have to do. And sometimes I... I, I'm going by movies, right? I'm going by movies. <laughs> I, I feel I'm like assuming. I'm assuming that trying to get out of that is very troublesome because it's like right. they already know, you know, that that you know all the ins, all the outs, all the this, all the that. So you trying to get out of that, I'm right. sure it's like and not the a interesting good idea. thing is as much dirt as he did, like he didn't want that like for us. Mm-hmm. When we would get into little situations, Buck would want to handle it for us he'd be like i do this i don't want you guys doing this kind of dirt you know what i mean so yeah Yeah. but he looked out for me a lot you know um what's interesting about buck is buck's no longer with us also but if you would ask me what how buck would have gone out i would have said you know you live by the gun you die by the gun and um so i get a I add on Facebook like a few years ago and it's a name I don't even recognize, but it's Buck, the homie Buck. I didn't even know his real name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And wow. it's all this motivational stuff on his page and he's messaging me, telling me how proud he is of me. And he had completely turned his life around. Wow. Yes. Buck, he like, had, had a couple kids. Yeah, a couple kids. He was truck driving. <clears throat> wow. Uh, I had never even known Buck to pay taxes or have a driver's license. If Buck had a car, it was a car he took from a crackhead that owed him money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he wow. like straight up. He, he had straightened his whole life out, and I, none of us knew this, but Buck had diabetes. Um. And he was truck driving, even though he's supposed to be on dialysis, and he died from the diabetes. Mm-hmm. But he knew it was mm. going to happen. Like, the doctors had told him, you can't do this job. Yeah. But he wanted, I think, before he died, to lay, like, a good example for his kids. Yeah. And uh, he, he did that. He was able to turn himself around. He was nothing but, like, a positive person. See, wow. It ha- I yeah. mean, Buck can do it. Things anybody can. <laughs> anyone no, can do it. No, I'm serious. Anybody. It's just you have you have to have the want, right? You have the you have to have the want the why, to change. The right. want. You need yeah. a why. You need right? a why. Yeah. yeah. For him, it was his kids. For a lot of us, it is. Yeah. No, definitely. It usually is, mm-hmm. right? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <I'm> itchy. Um, <laughs> my arms itchy. Um, yeah, that's that's super interesting. I it's. The reason why, you know, it was a good idea to have you on is because we like to hear people go, not, we don't want to hear people going through things. We want, you know, you turned your life around. Right. And that to us, like, I feel like that's inspirational. Inspirational. You went from not so good to really, really good. I wanted that to be the message. Like as much as like some some of the stories can come across that way, I didn't want it to be about tragedy. It should be about hope. You know, absolutely and despite absolutely. everything it's almost a defense mechanism for me but i am like eternally optimistic no matter what happens anything anything could happen to me tomorrow and i'll take five minutes to be sad about it and then i just get back to work you're like okay so, yeah life goes on uh if there's anything i could get across to people yeah. it's that like you don't number one you don't have to be what you were born to be or right. what your perception no. is you can choose who you want to be that is funny. We were talking about this. I don't remember with who, maybe a client, but I was like, oh yeah, my client today. I was like, you know, you choose your life. Right. 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 Yeah. You don't, yeah, circumstances, it's they what they are. Yeah. But you choose, like, if you say, oh, I'm broke. I'm always broke. I don't know what's going to happen. Like, right. you're broke because you want to be broke. Right. If you focus on that, you'll yeah. get more of that. Yep. 
and you're not going to have the the ability to say, you know what, I want to get out of this. Let's see what I can do. I'm going to go get certified. I'm going to go it work. Depends, I'm going to go find a job. Yeah. I'm going to go, you know. Yeah. It just depends there's, on like what lens you're looking at. Life exactly. From. Right. You so, know, are you going to be the perception. victim or are you going or are you going to get up and do something? About it? Yeah. If something right. happens to each, obviously your circumstance I, I'm so sorry that yeah. all this stuff happened to you. Right. It's 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 really sad. Right. It makes us um, who we are, though. It does make make us who we are. However, um, you decided to change it, so I feel like I'm thankful that my life hasn't been like yours. However, you change it. You change mm-hmm. your circumstance, right? right? Yeah. I mean, and everyone has their story. Everyone has their own struggles, of course. Right? right? And it's like, what are you gonna do with that? Right. Are you going to sit behind a desk right. and like complain all day about right. your life? Right. Or are you going to find your purpose? Are you going to use that to do something with your life and just turn it around? Well said. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's right. what needs to happen. And honestly, it brings so much joy to your life. And then seeing that your actions now bring joy to others. It's just so rewarding. Oh, right? I'm sure. Very much so. Very I'm much sure. So. Yeah. And uh, to your point earlier, like so much of you know, it's probably overused, but like we don't understand things at the time. But like you said, when we find our purpose and our passion, so much of it's going to be modeled after what we've been through and how can we apply that. Yeah. And if I hadn't have gone through all that stuff, would I be able to enjoy the rewards of so much purpose now, you know? No, Um, we don't know. (laughs) And they say, you know, heroes and villains have the same backstory. It's often what you do with it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So I hope that the story was encouraging and it was, what else? Like I'm thinking of a word and I can't, I, all day today I've been trying to. It's because we were drinking last week. We need to stop drinking. I barely <laughs> drank yesterday. <laughs> I had like one margarita. Yeah, celebrate your wins too. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, motivational, I think, if anything. Motivational. It it's word. motivational, inspirational, yes. and it brings hope. And if you are going through something, to our listeners, obviously, seek help. Talk to someone. See how you can make your life or change it, whatever you're going through, right? Because we all go through things. Be curious. Honestly, Mm -hmm. for me, it's like curiosity. I'm like, okay, what am I lacking? What is it that I need? And Google is an amazing, amazing resource. Mm -hmm. Google it. You know, I need brotherhood. Yeah, Google, I just Google feel it. like a lot of people are scared to step out of their that comfort zone, whatever it is, whether it's good or bad. I feel like a lot of people are. Well, I can't. I don't. Well, think they're I not could ready. Do it. I don't want to. I don't think yeah. it's for me. I don't want. You don't know how many times I've heard that. I, right. I yeah. can't. Fear. But yeah, but it holds no, you back. It's like excuse after excuse after excuse. So it's like right. there's hope for everybody. Right. Everybody. And oftentimes, it starts with a little bit at a time. You know, yes. you can't, you don't have to overwhelm start yourself. One step. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you get a little confidence from that. And mm-hmm. then you, you go out there a little bit more. So. Yeah. And sometimes it really does help listening to somebody else's story and seeing them more as a mentor and right. going, okay, you know what? I'm going to pick their brain. Right. And maybe just making a small little change at a time. Right. And I they'll think get as, there. as people, uh, we can get really hung up in the fairness of things. And yeah. When something terrible happens to us, we tend to take it personally. Yep. And when you take it personally, it, it's easy to let it debilitate you or beat you down or take from you. Yeah. When you remove that from it, it's easier to take it and do Just something like, positive with it because mm-hmm. you realize it's not it's not personal. It's this is life. You know. Yeah, I know. I mean, life is not fair. No. Right? No. Dude, it's what, not. What, what's what are your thoughts on lessons? <laughs> Like, do you think everything has a lesson or you think sometimes things just happen? Um, both. I think things happen, but the, the way to to turn a loss into a win is to take a lesson from it. When mm-hmm. we have another phrase in martial arts that you win or you learn, you know, and, and I've learned so much more from my losses than I have from my wins, yeah. you know. And uh, this is what I tell the kids' classes. The, the self-defense part of martial arts is just surface level. What you really get from it is the stuff that you can apply to life. Yeah. Right? Um, What's a foundation? As, pardon? Like the foundation of jiu-jitsu. Like what are the kids learning? Um, well, it's self-defense. It's grappling. It's self-defense. Yeah. So a lot of it is it's hard. It's hard on the kids, and, and I try to remind them that um, 
you know, it's okay. It's okay to have a hard day. Like we have the kids that get emotional, they cry. And I always mm-hmm. tell them, you know, w- w- I'm never going to be that dad or that coach that tells them don't cry or like mm-hmm. hide your, yeah. you your, know, your, your emotions. pain. Mm-hmm. Take a minute, take a minute. But what's important is that you go back out there. Yeah. I'll, I hold up my black belt and I show them, I say, get the kids in a little circle and you know, you don't make it this far without crying. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Cry, take your minute, but we're going to go back out on the mat. We're going to finish the round. We're going to finish the class because yeah. more important than anything else, like teaching them jujitsu is the moves is yeah. good. So the self-defense is good, but to pick yourself back up and go again. I love so that. Important. I like that. Yeah. So important. That's it's great. so true. No matter yeah. what happens in life, you yeah. have got to get back up and go again. You can't no. quit more than anything. Have well, a I moment, cry, let it out, get let's back go. on. Yep. Yeah. Go. yeah. Okay to cry, it's not okay to quit. And you know, it's, uh, that's so important. And for the kids to know, and even adults, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of adults, especially men, have not been given the permission to cry. Right. right. And it's just like, just do it. Right. Do it. It's right. going to heal you, and then you're going to get back up and go. Yeah. yeah. Take your minute. Take mm-hmm. your minute. Like I always say, I give myself five minutes about whatever just happened. Like we had our very first tournament at the gym. We did, we did this big oh, jiu-jitsu cool. tournament there. Congratulations. And then there was a fire on the eighth floor. Water damage all the way down. <laughs> so I come in in the middle of the night. I get the phone call, and it's like... You know, after, mm-hmm. like, you know, we did all that work and just to yeah. see it all like water damage. And now I got to pick, clean them, you know, new yeah. mats and everything. I took five minutes to be upset and then I just got back to work. So, Jeez, I would think I'd need 10. But yeah, five I, I got practice by now. <laughs> five so. He's trained. So, Chris, um, are the listeners or people, whoever listens, are they okay to contact you in yeah, case they want yeah. to? Okay, so we will put all Chris's information on um, mm-hmm. our Instagram Mm-hmm. And and it, on the podcast and on the well. podcast, mm-hmm. uh huh. Yeah, the podcast Instagram. No, no, on the podcast. Like when you go onto Apple, or oh Spotify, yes, we'll yes, put yes, the information yes. On All there. the information will be on there in case you don't have an yeah. Instagram. But yeah, um, so that people, if you are interested in taking any classes or whatever questions you may have for Chris, uh, yeah, please feel wanna, free to mm-hmm. contact him. Yeah, contact yeah. him. Jiu-jitsu, contact him. <laughs> Muay Thai, self defense. We do the programs for the veterans. If you're a veteran. With PTSD, come see us. We do free training and counseling. The at-risk youth uh, bring the kids in. So we let we 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 take care of the kids program. And like I said, it's free free training and counseling for the at-risk youth and the veterans with PTSD. Um, and, and when you're a member at one, you get the access to all three locations. So no That's matter amazing. where you're located, that yeah. is amazing. We have East Lake, we have Third Avenue, Chula Vista, yeah, the Gallegos Jiu Jitsu Association. So, yeah, awesome, uh, it's available awesome. For all three. So please, guys, don't be shy, and he will be waiting. <laughs> thank you so much for thank coming thank you for being here thank you for and for sharing oh God, your story it was awesome for sure thank yes, you we loved it so thanks guys for tuning in and we will see you guys later we will <laughs> talk to you later alright bye. bye guys bye.